rarely does a day go by that someone doesn't come to see one or more of the many crosses. Larry Smart was a visitor from out of town and later saw a cross appear in his own home. Six months later, I was awoken in the middle of the night, went into the bathroom, and I noticed a big bright light coming through the window, so I went and looked, looked out and saw who had the spotlight on us. And amazing, there was a cross burning in the window. It looked like it was burning. It was a big glow, and it, I woke my wife up immediately. I said, honey, you got to see this. She went up there. She looked at it, and she said, oh, my God, and went back to bed, woke up the next morning and said, did I see what I thought I saw? And I said, yes. And every night since, it's usually every night anyway, we go to look at it, and a lot of times I wind up praying to it. Uh, I don't know why I don't use drugs anymore. You know, it's... It's God or something. It's it's the only reason I'm I'm still sober, and I lost total craving. And that's what I asked for when I first saw it, to relieve my addiction to drugs and alcohol, and that uh, obsession was immediately taken away. That's about all I can really say about it. You know, it's turned my life around totally. And that was a foretaste of this episode of the Planetary Makeover Show. In this episode, we take you behind the scenes of the documentary in Crosses of Light Still Glowing and Healing Three Decades Later. This episode is a bit different because I, Francis Oman, created the original documentary, and we show you that and a visit to the crosses 19 years later, as well as me interviewed by the host of Planetary Makeover, David Minot, about reports that have come in since. In response to the growing voices of an awakening humanity, we bring you evidence that divine help is at hand to work with us to create a hopeful future that works for everyone. This morning, I'd like to welcome a very special guest, Francis Oman. Good morning, Francis. Good morning, Vicki. Thank you for coming to Point Reyes this morning. Francis is um, an investigative journalist, author, artist, and documentary producer. And she's in the midst of completing her newest documentary, Countdown to Now, Quantum Leap for Planet Earth. So, Francis, for over 30 years, you've been investigating and documenting improbable events many of which are considered miracles. You worked as a consultant for Miracle Quest, a series which aired on the Discovery Channel, and the ph phenomena that you have investigated is quite diverse. Would you please tell our listeners about some of your earlier projects, maybe starting with Crosses of Light? Yes, Crosses of Light um, began a couple of decades ago. Um, these beautiful, glowing, holographic crosses appeared in windows in East LA, in the Hispanic community there, uh, and people were reporting having miraculous healings and so on. So I hot-footed it down to Los Angeles from the Bay Area and actually moved it down there and even tried to learn Spanish. I speak fluent French and Italian, so Spanish wasn't too much of a challenge. And I almost moved into the community. just. I really become part of whatever it is that I'm documenting. Well, my background is as a journalist and, and as an artist, so I have sort of the visionary part of my being, but I also am very committed to the facts. If I have a mission, it's to, to bring improbable facts about it, things that seem to be improbable 
to the attention of people so that they can have the experience of seeing what their own preconceptions are and then maybe moving into something new. That's why the whole, this new film that's almost finished, Quantum uh, Leap for Planet Earth is the subtitle. It's like, how can we make a shift, a whole paradigm shift, not just as individuals, but also as the whole planet into some kind of a new paradigm? I mean, is it possible to have something as improbable as no more hunger? No more war? Well, everybody knows there's got to be poverty, there'll, there'll always be war. Really? Well, with what I've seen and the experiences that I've had of great beings and uh, the miracles that I've documented, and fortunately for me, many of the miracles that I've personally experienced convince me that anything's possible. And so that's my mission, is to bring that out. But I was trained initially as an artist. Do you know? I mean, you start every painting with a blank canvas. And um, I'm also a 30-year meditator. And the idea of getting yourself to that place of nothing actually involves heightened awareness of all of whatever you want to call them, your, your own delusions, your own glamours, your own made-up things that were your responses to circumstances. And so I've made it a point to be as aware as I can of my incredible frailties and opinions and um, inability to approach something with a blank canvas. Luckily, that helps. And how do you conclude whether miracles are real or not? Um, well, I'm not the Pope. If I were the Pope, I would say you have to have three miracles. If you have two, you can't be a saint. But if you have three, you can be a saint. And only that's that's dependent on a variety of things. I recently read a book about about saints and, and you know, tracking those miracles down. Yes. Um, however, I have a different difference of opinion on many things from the Pope. And um, but one of them is that when I investigate and um, I look at some improbable, inexplicable situation. And I say to myself, most of us are deluded. And this one, I'm, in Countdown to Now, I look into crop circles and UFOs and all kinds of other things. So I try, I look and see, is there any other explanation? So I go to scientists, I go to doctors. I'm in crosses of light, so many people were healed from these beautiful glowing crosses. I would march to the doctors with them, you know. I got all of their statistics. I had a consulting doctor on the team. I talked to scientists um, who could tell me about light refraction and diffraction and all that. Here, the lives of thousands of people have been touched by crosses glowing through the windows of homes in this community. Dramatic changes in people's lives have been reported after they have visited these crosses and many are claiming to be cured of serious physical diseases and mental problems. Press coverage was a mixture of seriousness and skepticism. Television stations and newspapers reported only on the first two crosses, even though all of the crosses were inspirational to the people closest to them.
el 20 de mayo con rayos de luz en una ventana across Within several blocks of each other, in the bathroom windows of at least 12 homes, glowing crosses of light appeared within a two-week period in mid-May 1988. At the same time that the crosses began to appear, residents noticed changes occurring. They saw more harmony in their families and a deep feeling of peace. They noticed their children starting to do better in school, teenagers who had run away returning home, and troubled marriages reconciled. Senora Samaniego, who lives across the street from a park, has noticed improvements in her neighborhood since her cross appeared. We used to have a lot of gangs and vagrancy and drugs, and the police used to come all the time. Now it's calmed down more in the park and there's more tranquility, and I've noticed a lot of change. Pilgrims keep coming to visit the many crosses. Some from thousands of miles away. And this is a bedroom, not a bathroom. I get excited because I'm so full of joy inside. I want to share it with all the whole world. The crosses kept increasing and the pilgrims kept coming. When we began this documentary, there were three crosses. By the last day of shooting, there were more than 20. Oh, oh my God. The crosses appear in opaque glass and have the same basic shape all with a diamond around the outside. And all appear to float on the other side of the glass. Every cross also has a slight rectangular thickening in one of the crossbars. The diamond and the thickening are not always seen from every point of view, but they are on every cross. This is an Ojo del Dios, a God's Eye, an ancient Hispanic cross which bears a curious resemblance to the crosses in the windows. A single pointed light source is always on the other side of the glass when the cross appears. In most cases, it is a bare bulb. Other light sources also reveal the cross. A candle, or a flashlight, or even the moon. Standard opaque glass reveals this square shape. The glass in this window is the same on both sides, even purchased from the same glass company on the same date, but the cross didn't appear until two years later. We went to several glass shops looking for pieces of the same kind of glass, but the glass men told us they had never seen a cross in glass before. We had samples cut of the same waffle-textured glass through which we had seen the crosses in El Monte. We tested each piece of glass with the same kinds of single-pointed light sources that we had tried behind the cross windows, but we continued to get only a square shape. Nonetheless, couldn't these crosses in the glass be just a natural function of the glass itself? This scientist says it is. Uh, glass, if it was clear, would not cause any sort of diffraction or very little bit of diffraction. There would be some refraction, but not diffraction. But as you can see with this piece of glass, there, are, there is a pattern of lines and ridges on here. And so these ridges do indeed cause the light first to be bent or refracted, and then, once they come on the other side of the glass, they interfere with one another. We can observe this by using a candle as a point light source. And if we look at it from behind, we can see how 
The pattern is formed here as a result of the light rays being bent by the glass as it changes speed, but also the slits uh, or the ridges in the glass cause them to come out and interfere with one another, and hence the pattern of dark lines and light lines forming what you see right now. With me, I do have uh, a window from one of the houses that did have the cross formation. And this piece of glass is just seemingly just like any other piece of glass. It does have a pattern on it. Uh, and scientific explanation for it is the same. The, the light passing through the glass is being refracted. And then once it comes out the other side, there is interference caused by the ridges in this glass. That would seem to settle the issue, except for the healings people reported. I believe it's a sign. I really do. It's blessed us. It's blessed our home. Everyone that has come to see this cross has blessed them. I've heard miracles. I've heard healings. Uh, I know what it's done for me, my daughter, my husband, our marriage. This is the Vega family, all of them deeply affected by the appearance of a cross in their window. Cross first appeared in Memorial Day. My son went out that night. He came home around maybe 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And before he went to bed, he went to the restroom. And he came out screaming that we had a cross. Mm. And I told him, you better go back to sleep, kid. I said, you know, you're dreaming. And no, he insisted and woke everybody up. And we got up. And sure enough, there was a big cross in the window. When it first appeared, it was really like a big cross full of energy. And it lit up the glowing. whole restroom. It was really glowing. And it was, it was just something to just can't imagine, you know, when, he first, when it first appeared. Because we never had anything like that. Before the cross appeared, Lorraine Vega was bedridden with heart and lung disease and had given up hope. After they discovered the cross, her health was restored. And when that cross appeared, um, you wouldn't believe it. From day one, from that, that night, uh, I didn't have to take any medicine. I felt a, a, a load just lift up. I just feel great. Lorraine's daughter Mindy considers the birth of her daughter Desiree a miracle resulting from the appearance of the cross. For bleeding continuously throughout my pregnancy. When I was three months pregnant, I had gone to the doctor to the emergency once again for the third time. And they finally called in two specialists and examined me, took testing, and didn't tell me what the problem was or what they thought it was at the time. They said that they would call me. So uh, three days later, uh, the doctor called my mother and told my mother that he had to talk with me and um, that it was very important. I was at work at the time, so my mother gave the doctor the phone number to my job. So he called me at work, and he told me that they needed to see me right away within the next two or three days to talk about um, an abortion because they believed that... Uh, I, I had a tubular pregnancy, and um, I was lost with words. I, all I could do was cry. It's my baby. So I went back, and uh, oh, I told my mom, called my mom, and she told me, don't worry, just to pray. And uh, I really didn't have that much faith. And now I know it's... This is a miracle, because when I went back, the doctor 
told me he didn't understand that I had a normal fetus. Uh, they don't know how, why, how, or what happened. And, and I, I believe to this day it was through prayer and faith in God. See, that's like what we didn't do before. We didn't pray together like a family. And now we rely on prayer a lot now. Every time we get in trouble or we have a problem, and we all pray and it seems like it works. It really works. The, the people that are here praying right now, they are praying for a healing for this little girl. Oh, Lord Jesus, help. God had made many miracles happen through prayer and um, through this cross. I truly believe that it is through this cross too because uh, when we pray the light of the cross gets brighter and again I remember that scripture that says our light is from your light and miracles do happen. Other crosses began to appear outside the Hispanic community where some people give non-religious interpretations to their significance. Carol Farina found that her cross dramatically increased her creativity. I also think that these crosses are a sign of change and transformation that the people of this earth need to start making by getting in touch with the light within themselves, the energy, the power that they have to make the changes regarding things like world hunger, um, pollution, um, water supplies, air. Benjamin Krem, author of The Reappearance of the Christ, says yes, it is happening right now and the crosses are part of Christ already making himself We felt. already are beginning to get reports from various places around the world. One, El Monte, outside of Los Angeles, yes. crosses appearing in, yes. in the windows. Yes. Is that connected indeed, to this? Indeed, yes. The crisis manifesting a series of crosses of light all over the world. He said so many that no one could doubt that something extraordinary was happening. And as you know, now there are 12 in the Los Angeles area. And the manifestations of the Virgin, which are taking place all over the world, like at Medjugorje, Yugoslavia, yes. about 25 at sites in Italy, in Ireland, and in Australia, New Zealand, and all over, all over Europe. And they are the signs of the presence of the Christ. Benjamin Krem is not the first author to bring the information from the Far East as a part of the Ageless Wisdom teachings, which say that Christ's return will be in the person, not of Jesus this time, but in the person of Maitreya, who's also known as the world teacher. Blavatsky, and then Bailey, and then Rorick gave the same information, and Mr. Krem's information, that it will be within our lifetime now. Other crosses appeared in San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and this one in Canada. Well, I was skeptical at first, too. I thought it would go away. I thought it's just a figment of my imagination, but I, uh, it stayed there. I checked at uh, daylight, and I checked it at night, and different sources of light, and it stayed there. And there is a great deal of, of energy that comes from that. It, it feels like a healing, peaceful energy. Doctors are reluctant to admit that non-medical cures happen and much in the medical records lacks definitive proof. And yet this document prescribes corrective lenses that the patient never needed 
because after praying to the cross, her eyesight was fully restored. The medical records of the people involved in this documentary are not what we would call provative in terms of what medicine considers proof. Uh, all of the people who have talked about healing have talked about healing of problems that we see go into remission uh, by themselves. The, some of them actually could be proven if we had new x-rays that showed the disappearance of, of the lump, for example, in the mammogram. But once the person feels healed, they don't go back to the doctor. In fact, oftentimes they tend to lose faith in the medical profession because they think, if there's all this power here, why should I deal with the doctor? Now, I, I was impressed basically with two of the healings that went on, and that's the one who was an alcohol and drug addict, and also with the teenager who was the usual obstreperous teenager who settled down and seemed to have matured about four years in about one week. And then oftentimes if the person believes something strongly enough, the person will get well. Indeed, most of the people who have come in contact with these crosses believe they are being deeply touched. Even though the people with crosses did not know about each other, they all had remarkably similar responses when interviewed. Whether people are religious or not, they all said the crosses bring hope for the world, the solving of humanity's worst problems, the end of hunger, peace on earth, and a return to the world of a Messiah who has been long awaited. In the Catholic Church, one of the proofs of God's presence are miracles. We know of the signs, for example, of miracles that happen in Lourdes or in Fatima. And we find in Lourdes the experience of people who had been, and it's a small group of people, but people who had been told by doctors, you will not be healed. And they came and they washed in the water of Lourdes and they were healed, and they actually were healed. And this was, this was done not just by prejudiced people in favor of this, but prejudiced people against it, people who didn't believe this could ever happen. I think one of the most important questions that each of us has to ask is what would happen if the second coming happened while we were living? What had happened in my life? The Messiah is expected now by many Jews. Rabbi Ted Falcon explains. There are two basic ways that the time for the coming of the Messiah is understood within some of the traditional circles in Jew Jewish tradition. One is through trying to figure out numerologically on the basis of old texts when, in what year, in what era. And there are those who say, just as we talk about this being the Aquarian age, there are those who are discovering in the flow of the zodiac and the flow of various sections, segments of history, that this is the time when Messiah is supposed to awaken. There are others who look at various world events and say that it's through those world events that the indications of such a coming is to be announced. And those are the ones who look and see that the issues in Israel are harbingers of such a moment now, that the political, the social difficulties, the exacerbation of the, of the violence even there and in the world as a whole speaks the conditions which in fact uh, are required for that messianic being to, to arrive.
Muslims expect the Imam Mahdi. I was born and raised in a Muslim family, and uh, Muslims believe that uh, Imam Mahdi, which is the last of uh, 12 Imams, Imam uh, is a religious leader. Uh, he disappeared, and uh, he is to appear again when the world is full of chaos and uh, uh, to uh, restore peace and bring good relations uh, uh, among the nations. And when a cross appeared to his family, Mohammed took it as a sign. I'm an electronic technician, so uh, I wanted to experiment with light and see uh, whether we have one on our bathroom window. So I took the flashlight in there and uh, uh, checked it out. Every time I, I got that uh, funny-looking rectangular shape uh, on both of the windows, the left one and the right one, it was amazing. All of a sudden, I get this urge uh, to go and check the window again, uh, the bathroom window. And uh, I take the flashlight with me and go in there, and I check it. Uh, sure enough, uh, on the left-hand uh, side window, uh, I had that uh, cross of light when I threw the flashlight uh, on it. I think that... Uh, the, the one that uh, the followers of all religions uh, believe uh, is coming back uh, uh, is, is here among us. That was the last interview in my original Crosses of Light documentary. It was that interview which sparked the interest of the Discovery Channel 19 years later to revisit these Crosses of Light to see if they were still glowing and still healing. Here is some of the footage from that investigation, from my demo of the work I did with the Discovery Channel. Heading for the Hollywood Hills to investigate a very modern phenomenon, crosses of light that are healing the sick. They've turned up in mostly Catholic neighborhoods, but amazingly, non-Christians have also felt their healing power. In the city of angels where diversity reigns, are miracles breaking down religious boundaries? I'm off to shed some light on this unique occurrence. With its sandy beaches and trendy neighborhoods, Los Angeles isn't the first place you think of as a religious hub or miracle hotspot, but that's where my quest is taking me. With people from more than 140 countries and strong religious traditions, diversity rules on the streets of L.A., and the miracle I've come here for is a common symbol of faith. It's in the town of El Monte, a city of mostly Catholic Latino immigrants about 10 miles east of L.A., that it began in May of 1988. Is the divine really at work in these windows, or is there a way to explain these mysterious crosses? Now, almost 20 years later, I'm heading to yet another part of L.A. where this miracle continues to appear, but this time in the window of a non-Christian. I've come to Mar Vista, a racially diverse neighborhood in West Los Angeles, to meet Mohammed Zanatabash. A while back, Mohammed discovered a cross of light in his bathroom window, and he's convinced it healed his son of a rare blood disease. The cross is still there, and Muhammad, who was raised a practicing Muslim, still believes in its miraculous powers. Can this cross really heal? 
And how did it even get there? Mar Vista is a tiny neighborhood only a few miles from the beaches of nearby Santa Monica and Venice. Named for its views of the Pacific Ocean, the area is also known for its post-World War II ranches and bungalows. But just like El Monte, it's inside an unassuming apartment complex where I find Mohammed and his wife, Clarita. Mohammed? Hi, Flavia. Flavia, it's a pleasure yeah. to meet you. Nice meeting you as Thank well. Thank you so much. Yes. So tell me about this cross of light you guys discovered. When did you discover it and what's the whole backstory? It was in 1988. We had just heard in the news that these crosses of light are appearing all over the place starting with the El Monte. We kind of went ahead and checked the bathroom windows and no sign of it. <laughs> no cross. And then their six-month-old son came down with a rare blood disease and began bleeding internally. Mohammed and his wife began to pray. Within two, three days, these bruises on his body gradually started to kind of get lighter and disappear. What was the yeah. doctor's response to that? They were dumbfounded. But Mohammed had a sneaking suspicion. One night I came home. Uh, it was maybe around 12.30, 1 o'clock at night. Just like something telling me, go check the bathroom windows. There it was, and that was kind of uh, really astounding. That must you know? yeah. very. Yeah. Did you immediately think it was the cross that had healed your son? Well, there's a connection there. And since we uh, found out that there's a cross, I checked every single night. And the cross has always been there? Yes. So I would love to see this cross. Let's well, go check yeah, it out. Sure, sure, yeah. Let's go to the bathroom. <laughs> right there. On the left pane. Doesn't even look like it's yeah. right on the window. No, it, it seems appears... like it's up in the sky or something. Right, coming. it appears in, uh, in me there. There's no mistaking it. This is a cross, and I can only imagine what it must have felt like to see it after Muhammad and Clarita's son was healed. I can see how both of you guys were very overwhelmed. That's amazing. I think so, because the neighborhoods that uh, these crosses have appeared, there has been drastic changes in the neighborhood. It's a, definitely a positive thing. Mr. Krim, you have said that Christ is coming back into the world and that his appearance to all of us will be preceded by many signs. I'm working on a documentary right now on the appearance of crosses of light in El Monte, California. And although the people there have never heard of you, they're independently coming up with similar idea. They are, when they seem to have seen these crosses appear, they're saying, this is a sign that Christ is in the world. Um, did you know ahead of time these were going to happen? Um, what's the story? Well, I'm in touch with a master, one of the disciples of the Christ, and I was told in April of last year that very soon the Christ would manifest signs of the cross uh, in various parts of the world, so many that people would not be able to uh, ignore them. They wouldn't know where they came from, how they came to be there, but they would see them. They would be unable just to, you know, ignore it altogether. And the first of these appeared, as you probably know, in El Monte, near Los Angeles, in May, a few weeks after I was told that. Now, I, I'm not saying that the Christ is coming. I'm saying that the Christ is here. 
And these are signs. He has already said, those who search for signs will find them. But my method of manifestation is more simple. He doesn't need these signs. Nevertheless, the, the manifestation of these crosses of light, that now I don't know how many, about 20, is it in El Monte, uh, which happened very quickly within a few weeks, and uh, now in Vancouver and San Francisco. These were spread around the world, and I have uh, heard recently that there will be in the Denver area, there'll be in New Zealand, and no doubt in various other parts. I of just the world. heard um, last week that there's one in Washington, D.C. I haven't confirmed it, but someone just told me that that had happened. That's the sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. they just they seem to keep appearing. Um, in making the, the documentary and in talking to the different people, they didn't know about each other as they saw the crosses appearing, and yet they have markedly similar responses to each other. Almost everybody who had a cross or experiences them says it's a sign of the second coming. I mean, it could be a sign of anything. It could be a sign that they should go back to church. It could be anything. They almost all talk about the end of hunger. It's just an idea that comes spontaneously out of people when I interview them. Uh, quite extraordinary. They talk about war will end, the air will be clean, the water will be pure. Um, and people are starting to communicate in ways they've never done before, where they will sit down with each other and you know, really get into conversations. Is the Christ, is this coincidence? Is he having that happen through? How does he use these crosses? It's awareness. The crosses create awareness in the people. They release an energy which transforms them, which clears their minds of conditioning. And when the mind is cleared from conditioning, the person becomes more intuitive, more aware of from a higher level of what is. And they then relate this manifestation, the healings, the transformations which they experience on a higher level, and then they become aware of the events which are really taking place in the world. They know intuitively that the coming of the Christ means war is no more. They know intuitively that the ecology will be tackled and that the, the, the earth will be saved and that it is our, our task now in the immediate future to cleanse the, the world of the, of the pollution and so on, restore the, the health of the planet. They know this and they see it happening because this gives them hope. And when people have hope, they awaken to what is. Understand? A quick note to the audience is that if you're listening to this show on audio right now, you can watch the full show in the color that it deserves with these beautiful crosses of light on YouTube. Just go to YouTube to Planetary Makeover. And that's two words, planetary and then makeover is one word on YouTube to see this show. And now our host of Planetary Makeover, David Minot, interviews me about some of the many experiences and miracles that have happened to other people and me that never made it into the documentary. Now, please take us for a look behind the scenes at the healings and the synchronicities connected with the making of your documentary. I'm looking forward to hearing more of the kinds of events and stories that were not included in the original documentary or even in the revisit of the crosses 19 years later. Now, religious folks say that 
God created the miracles. While scientists and skeptics say that it's just magical thinking, that it's just rationalizing what are natural coincidences and synchronicity. What do you say? Well, I will answer with my favorite quote on the planet. Ever since I got fascinated with coincidence and synchronicity as an artist, long before I ever heard about Maitreya or the crosses of light. And that was a quote from St. Augustine who said, miracles are not contrary to nature. They're contrary to what you think you know about nature. And that really got me. Um, Carl Jung uh, did massive studies on coincidence and synchronicity and um, actually came up at the end with the fact that he had to say there was no scientific causality that, that they could see, but there was something happening beyond causality. And um, I don't want to shock anybody by disagreeing with people like Carl Jung. <laughs> but in my experiences of art, it's like, where the heck does art come from? Where does music come from? Where do these inspirations, these inspirations, these breathing in, where are we breathing in from? And um, so I was just fascinated that causality is probably very little understood. Um, as an artist, I um, made art using causality, using, I would set up a situation often in nature and always with colors. And I used dice and colored discs about this big. Um, and I'd set up kind of a game with nature. And, um, and then things transpired, nature responded, this happened and that happened. And the artwork was clearly finished when something occurred that completed the artwork. A, kind of a, a, a crazy thing, but I had the intention to begin with to have something happen, have something miraculous, although it's not contrary to nature, happen. So it's like nature playing with nature. So um, I, I published a book called Pr Prismatic Co-Incidents. And um, it's all in pictures and it was a documentation of one of these games with nature. And I lost all, I started out with all these different colored discs. I played with the ocean and the beach and the waves and various different images that I set out on the sand and the waves took them away and various things happened. And when all the discs that I had brought to the beach with me had disappeared into the waves, the sky got really dark and cloudy and it started to rain. And all of a sudden, a rainbow appeared in the sky. So did I make a rainbow happen? just looking into that kind of stuff. So when the crosses of light started happening and other miracles around Maitreya's emergence, it was like, you know, more opportunity to just look into what causes what. 
Tell us what you found out about the energy in the crosses from your conversation with Benjamin Krem. Right after I interviewed uh, Benjamin Krem, we were walking out of the television station and um, I said, tell me about the energies in the cross. You say they create people's awareness, um, but what keeps them, what keeps them going? And um, he said, once Maitreya makes the form of the cross appear in a, in, in a window, there's a group of devas, little angelic beings that have a job to keep the energies going, to keep it alive so that it will just keep on um, helping people with their awareness and their spiritual evolution and the healings. So they're making a big effect in the world as they keep uh, glowing. And as you saw earlier, um, we went back with the Discovery Channel and um, crosses from 19 years before were still glowing and healing. And uh, uh, so I said, Mr. Krim, as I talk to people in El Monte, um, lots of them, I mean, a, a lot of them had seen one or another of the crosses appear and went home to check their own windows and put a flashlight or, or, or a candle or something behind their window to see if they had a cross. And they didn't. They had a little squarish um, shape, um, like the Muslim man in the discovery uh, revisiting of the crosses. So they said they didn't have a cross. So they prayed to have a cross in their window. And um, all of the people telling me this story said that within a day or two, a cross did appear in their window and has been glowing ever since. So, um, and then I told Mr. Krim, <laughs> I said, there's sort of an opposite story too. What do you think about this? That um, there was a man who got a cross of light in his window and everybody came and gathered around and he said, shoo, go away. Um, this is nothing. Um, there's no such thing as miracles. Just get out of here. And um, so people left and, um, but one person that I talked to said, a couple of us went back the next day just to see, and the cross had actually disappeared out of his window. So it's like, <laughs> uh, interesting coincidence, synchronicity, miracle. You tell me. As an objective reporter, you couldn't put some of these stories into the documentary, especially your own personal experience of healing from one of those crosses. So what can you tell us about that now? The most dramatic experience was when I had finished all the shooting, I was going to the um, television station producing the final edit of Crosses of Light. It was, we'd only just begun um, the, the final edit. And one night the phone rang and it was the husband in one of the families that had a cross of light appear and where there was a healing in the family as well. And he said, I know we've signed the releases 
but I've decided I do not want my family to be in your documentary. I'm so sorry. Well, I, I said, um, of course, I, you know, there's no way I would do it against your will. But when I hung up, it was like, oh my God, this is gonna put a hole in the middle of the storyline of what I'm telling When you do a documentary, I mean, you don't know ahead of time what incidents are gonna be great right before other incidents because you haven't shot them yet. And then you build the story and right in the middle of the documentary, it would have, what was I gonna do? I mean, people had donated money to me. I had used up all the money that I'd sold my um, production company. Um, for the production. So we were basically out of money. And um, I had a job coming up at PBS that I needed to start going to. What was I going to do? And I was just on the point of tears. And I had a cross of light at my home as well. And I walked over to it. And I just looked at it. Just, you know, Suddenly I fell to my knees. I'm not kidding. I fell to my knees. I have never prayed on my knees in my life before. I fell to my knees and I prayed and I said, please have this work out. And I just had this experience of peace, just peacefulness and well-being and went to bed, slept like a baby. Next morning, he called back and he said, you know what? I've been thinking about it. And I think what you're doing is very important. And so I'm going to let my family, the footage you took of my family, be in your documentary. So there you have it. That sounds like a miracle for the rest of us who might not have ever been able to see the whole documentary if he had not changed his mind. Uh, do share another personal experience, if you can. Here's one that happened many years after the documentary was finished. And um, I was in uh, someone's personal home. There were five or six of us gathered to do a transmission meditation, one given to us by Maitreya to practice, to help step down and transform the Aquarian energy so they could be used for the transformation of the world. So we were all sitting there very quietly um, doing that work, really. And um, one of the um, people in the group quietly got up and went to the restroom. And all of a sudden, she burst back into the meditation room and she said, when I was in there, this beautiful cross of light appeared on the glass in the, in the uh, window in the restroom. Come look. So we all traped in there and... Um, and saw it and, you know, said, oh my God. <laughs> and, um, but we went back in and uh, had probably the best transmission meditation we'd ever had. <laughs> so um, that was that one. Is it true that the cross images are not on the glass, but appear to be floating behind the glass? Yes, um, a holograph is, you know, it's in a movie, it's if somebody can be, be a holographic image, 
you can see the whole person appear in 3D. But scientifically, there really is such a thing as a hologram. And yeah, these are holographic images so that, um, you know, if you get at a different position, it's like the cross is hanging in the air behind it. And if someone should break one of the pieces of glass, yeah, little, little tiny pieces, little tiny crosses, little, you could hold each one up to the, to the light and they would all have a cross, not in it really, but, but through it. So the next day, the lady who had the window of the cross where we were meditating had a glass man come out and remove the glass from the window and um, cut it up into little individual pieces of glass so everybody in the transmission meditation group could take one home. And uh, people have used these to loan to people who were in the hospital or um, trying to heal of something by putting a little candle behind it. And um, they all worked just as well as now, we have seen in this documentary how proponents of different religions all expect a messianic figure or being to come, whether he is called the Imam Mati or the fifth Buddha, Maitreya, Krishna, the Kalki Avatar, the World Teacher, the Bodhisattva, or the Christ. Is it a coincidence that all of these are expected? And if they are all one in the same messianic figure, and the time is now, what is our role in this coming age? As we're broadcasting today, near the end of 2022, the world is reeling with crises in just about every domain. I mean, we've had protests before in our history, from the Boston Tea Party to, you know, on and on. and but never in every domain at the same time. I mean, as Maitreya says, this civilization is dying. Nay, it's already dead. It's like, what he means is the structures of the old Piscean age just don't suit the new energies of the age of Aquarius. And um, by feeling hopeless and really powerless, People are having a really hard time with world events. And there's nothing more empowering than looking at the kinds of experiences that I've shared about and, and doc, some of which I've documented that give people the sense that by intending, by using the will, by focusing the intention as Buddha said, your thoughts create your reality. People are getting to see that and experiment with maybe there is a causality that isn't just a scientific causality. Maybe just because the world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket right now. Maybe, maybe that's like what Confucius, Confucius said. He said, you know, crisis invites opportunity. And if people know and have heard stories about and have tried and played with fully intending something and seeing it happen, that in their personal lives, they can feel they have more power in their own lives 
and then maybe power in the finding the solutions for the crisis that we're in. This specific time in human history was prognosticated as a turning point in the evolution of consciousness for humanity. In other words, things going wrong, personal challenges can come, make you very creative. Adversity is the mother of invention. And in a crazy way, all of this turmoil is kind of forcing us to experiment with maybe we can make something happen. Maybe we can invoke things that are beyond scientific causality. Maybe there are causes that we can invoke, that we can even imagine and have them happen. So just presenting these stories that I've told, um, if that opens people to feeling more powerful and seeing with hope you can take action, you know? Action just motivated by anger isn't always powerful. It opens the eyes of lots of other people. But with a sense of hope that something can be done, I foresee a really golden future. And if that seems even remotely plausible, I've got the job done. And there's the bell. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternationalwest.org. That's shareinternational-west.org. For related books and DVDs and CDs by Benjamin Krim on the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, please go to share-ecart.com. That's share-ecart.com. We also invite you to watch another show that we really love entitled, What in the World is Happening? And that show, which you don't want to miss, is produced by Share International Canada. And it airs every second Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time. The link to check it out is share international ca or visit the share international canada facebook page